Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. <laughs> I don't have the money to fix my hairline. <laughs> I'm going to buy some headbands. <laughs> All right. All right, well, Jake, go ahead. Welcome back to another episode of Wisco Fanatics Friday Night. Uh, as always, you got Tyler and myself. We are joined by Bryant. Uh, and John is stepping in for Simon. Uh, John, welcome back. Thank uh, you. Simon thank is you. busy with his moose hunting, <laughs> moose riding, igloo building. I don't know what he's doing hey. out there, but he's busy with the moose. If he um, told you, he'd have to kill you. So we come up with stories. Yeah, we just say <laughs> something with a moose and we don't ask questions. That's fair. <laughs> he did send so, us a picture of a moose the other day. And he's like, should I ride it? I'm like, yes. If opportunity <laughs> knocks, you answer the door. Yeah, man. I told him, I said, if you don't ride the moose, you're fired. And now John's here. So you guys Those things are pretty dangerous. <laughs> yeah, they're huge. You see the size of their heads? Yeah. I'll never go near one of those. But uh, we had a rough game last night, but those were to be expected this year. Like <coughs> downs this year with this Green Bay Packers team. Uh, definitely some positives to take away from it. That's what we do best on this show. So uh, we will go over the positives, go over the negatives, what to improve. But uh, as for now, I'm going to start the show by asking Bryant how you doing buddy how's your day doing, doing pretty good how you doing uh, it was a rough one but I I said kind of you know we we gave it a little push in the second half but I said I wanted to see positives in the second half and yep, we've seen yep. those so um and we and anyone like we said they would be kidding themselves so they didn't think we'd go through this we're the youngest team in the NFL like yeah, these things yeah. are gonna happen right um my description of the game last night is I'm not upset uh, anymore, but while watching that, I felt like I was in a bar fight and I was not able to use my arms to fight back. That's what I felt like watching that game. Um, I'm more upset with the coaching, to be honest, and we can get into that more. But yeah, we're gonna I, get into it. I promise you that. Uh, John, how you doing, buddy? Long time no talk. Man, tired. Like <laughs> watched the game last night, right? And then today I did a rewatch. Did something on my channel. Um, yep. It started out like with anger. It's almost like I'm going through the five stages. Because it started with anger, like, what are you doing? And then today I've been bargaining with myself all day, like, all right, it's not so bad. They're going to recover. And now it's just like, screw it, I'm tired. I got to keep talking about this game. <laughs> and it's been 25 hours since it kicked off. Uh, it's yeah. just, it's one of those, just an, an exhausting game to analyze, to talk about, to even think about. I mean, like, obviously it's good we're breaking it down tonight, but it is already time to just close the door on this, move on, and figure out what to fix. So before we start talking about things specifically, I want to personally take this opportunity to blame Lil Wayne for running out with <laughs> Every the Every time he's there, we lose. He it's ran fair. out with Colorado last week on Saturday, and they got their asses kicked, and then he ran out with the Packers. So I blame Lil Wayne, nothing That's else. Fair. Literally, single-handedly lost because of Lil Wayne. I'm going to blame his shoes. Those shoes are horrible. He looked, <laughs> he looked like he was wearing tissue boxes on his feet. What was that? Uh, I also want to blame the gold package holders. Stop selling your tickets, dude. Go to the game if you're going to go to the game. 
Yeah. Seriously, and don't sell it to Lions fans. You pathetic. Well, I mean, but that's like that's part of the problem because if you just post it on Ticketmaster now, like you don't know who's buying it. Yeah, it used to be like it used to be an actual exchange, but now that the NFL got rid of that, like it's it's fair game. Yep. It's it's crappy all the way around. Well, they shouldn't whine and cry for their season tickets just to turn around and sell them. Like well, that's the, the hundred forty-seven thousand people on the waiting list. Yeah, that's somebody made a good point that if you are selling more games than you're going to, you should lose your season tickets. I agree with that. There are teams that do that. Like Denver's got a big log jam for their season ticket wait list. And I think it was like three, four years ago, they implemented rules that said like they were going to begin tracking selling. And they I don't remember the exact rules. I'd have to go look into it. But like other teams have done stuff like that. To say yep. if you're not actually coming to at least most of the games, we're gonna pass you over. Move right on down the list. All right. Well, they should do that because then my daughter's name will move up the list. Because I put my <laughs> daughter on there the day she was born. I went right on there before from the hospital yep. right before the Bucks game. Put her yep. name on there. And as soon as that goes to winter, it'll really be Jake's. <laughs> <laughs> you need to ask her when she's like 16, hey, do you have you ever thought about any kids' names and then get their kid and then maybe you'll have a chance for them to get tickets? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Well, apparently it's like a 30-year wait, so I'll be an old grandpa by then. I mean, club level's only like 10 years, so if you really want to fork out for the tickets... That's I'm just going to keep grinding years. until I get media credentials. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll remember what happens first, Tyler. <laughs> we, can share, we can all go in on club tickets and take some yeah. more. Just buy one. <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> All righty, so we're going to start with some stars of the game. Yes, even though the Packers lost by 14 points, there were still stars of this game. So Bryant is going to go first. Um, Bryant, kind of awkward, but we're going to have games like this. So Bryant, who's our first star? So pretty indicative of the game, though, but our first star is wheeling. Like anytime you have five, you punt five times, and it's an average of 51.8 yards per punt. (laughs) That's pretty good. Um, there's a few times he boomed us out of a deep end because, and I'll get more into it with special teams. Don't worry. But he, he, uh, you know, kind of flipped the field for us a little bit. Unfortunately, we weren't able to capitalize. Yeah. I was surprised when I saw that he had an average of almost 52 yards. I was like, damn, that was, yeah. that's good stuff. Uh, Jake has our second star. And I know everybody's going to be thinking about one specific play, which is absolutely ridiculous when he played, uh, very large amount of plays, but uh, our second star is Quay Walker. The guy had 19 tackles, 10 solo, nine assists, including a tackle for loss. Looked like one of two, maybe three players on the defense that wanted to actually hit somebody last night. So leave it what it may. I'm gonna I'm gonna leave it kind of open ended because there's gonna be a lot of opinions and discussion about Quay. I feel like. Yeah. I mean, I'll talk about our special teams again. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I'll wait until we get to the tackling part because I know John's going to have some good stuff for that. But John has our third star. Yeah, I got to go with Romeo Dobbs. I mean, like the pass game wasn't exactly terrific last night, but Dobbs was. I mean, nine catches on 13 targets, 95 yards, four of his catches went for first downs, and zero drops. I mean, at least according to PFF, he has yet to have a drop this season. Um, So Romeo Dobbs has become the ultra-reliable receiver that Love has needed. Another, well, for my bold prediction that he'd be serving want, NFC North in receptions after Jefferson and St. Brown. 
Yeah, I do want to say something on Romeo Dobbs. He was he was the one person I kind of seen, and he's so reserved and he's very quiet when he talks to media and stuff. Yeah. But he's so different on the field, and I think to his team, he was the one pumping him up like, "Hey, let's go, let's get on this, let's get going." Uh, the one yeah. couple times I've seen him on the screen, so uh, yep. just he's become a huge. Like I would, I can make an argument he's our number one. Yeah. So. Yeah, you could we'll make what Christian does over the next handful of games, but. So I got to pick the underrated performer this week. I went with the rookie defensive lineman. So overall, our defensive line had a kind of a tough go against the off, the Lions offensive line, but I'm seeing growth, which is like really the thing that I want to look for most in 2023 is I want to see growth from all the young players. It's going to be brought up probably 34 times during this show that the Packers are a young team. So I'm going to start by saying it once. The young guys, what I'm looking for is for them to grow week to week so that we can build a foundation and then see what we need to fill in in 2024's draft, so on and so forth. So Carl Brooks, two tackles, a sack, and a pass defense. Colby Wooden had four tackles, and Lucas Van Ness had a tackle. With their play diagnosis, Lucas Van Ness looks like one of our better run stoppers and just pass rush. Um, I'm pretty pretty happy with, with these three guys. And maybe Brenton Cox can find a way to work himself into this mix as well. So I went with the rookie defensive lineman. Oh, Greg was like, oh, I'm going to show up when I can. And he's in during the first segment. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So we're going to start with the offense. Brian, how are the the wide receivers developing? Uh, It's kind of more of the same, really. I was surprised that Wicks had such a quiet night. He had like 33 snaps or something like that. He didn't see the ball. Um, Jaden Reed. It's like what's it? It's like he's gonna have three or four receptions for fifty yards a game. The one thing I've noticed this game, and it was happened last game too, but this happened on the punt. He keeps picking his head up and looking downfield before he secures the ball. That's what happened on the goal line against the Saints, and that's what happened um, on that punt return that he went to go grab it. He looked up the field right before he secured the ball, and then he fumbled it. Luckily, it didn't completely bite us and totally put the game out of reach there. But um, I don't recall any blatant drops by him like it was like he kind of what had against the Saints. But um, you can argue whether or not that last second play at the, you know, I don't know if the TV broadcast is perfectly synced up with the game clock or not, whatever. We can go back and forth with that. That was a great diving catch. I mean, that's fantastic. So, um, but yeah, uh, he's fine. Uh, obviously, you know, if we want to talk about second year wide receivers, Dobbs continues to roll and Watson was on snap count, but he definitely, and he, he voiced some frustration about not being in the game later in the game. Um, but uh, he, you know, he found the end zone. So that was nice too. So on the subject of voicing the concern, I think that's one of those situations where you kind of just have to protect the player from themselves a little bit. Yeah. And I think they've had to do that with Rashawn Gary. So I don't think that's anything they're going to have any trouble holding the backbone on, but just something they're going to, it's one of those things like last week when we talked about our, I shouldn't even say last week because it was Tuesday when we recapped the saints game, but having guys available through the rest of the season is more important than this Thursday night game. And it's going to be that way until we get to like week seven, eight, then it's going to be like, okay, we need to start stacking wins together. You know, the, the rest of the season is a shorter amount of time now, but right now we're in week four. Well, and if I can just add something to Matt LaFleur in his press conference today, he acknowledged that, yes, they were on a strict snap count, but the plan is for Monday, they're very hopeful to get them back in full, both Jones and Watson. He so, said they're hopeful Stokes will 
Okay, so looking at the rookie tight ends, this was kind of hard this week because Luke Musgrave left with a concussion. Having the mini buy going from Thursday night game to a Monday night game, I think he should be able to get cleared by next Monday. Yeah. Um, and then Tucker Craft, I think he actually did a nice job filling in for Luke Musgrave, and I think he might have earned himself some more snaps. Uh, he caught both of the targets that were to him. He did kind of bobble the second one, but for a guy who's basically been playing 13% or less of the snaps for the first three weeks, I think Tucker Craft did a, a pretty admirable job filling in after Luke Musgrave got a you got you seen him get embarrassed on like one of the blocks, but I don't think that was on him. I think that was on the, the scheme or the play. Um, mm-hmm. and he didn't even have time to react. He didn't have time to react. So, yeah. Uh, as far as the passing game distribution, this this actually might be like as far as the first four games go, one of the highlights of the season so far. We don't have an Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams hyper focus thing going on. Jordan Love is spreading the ball everywhere. He's spreading it not only to the players, but also to the downs and distances. Like he's throwing short, um, medium, intermediate, and deep balls. He's throwing them all. Um, Robert said, interesting analysis, guys. Cheers from Singapore, the other side of the globe, having breakfast at the moment. Go back. Oh, that is awesome. We lo- seriously love seeing that when people from, from far away are commenting on stuff. We actually – that's Love that. That's really cool. You know how awkward it would be to watch the Packers while eating pancakes. <laughs> Dude, I, when I was in Korea for a year, I'd have to, I'd have to get up at two thirty or two in the morning. So I'd get up at two in the morning, watch the game, fall asleep at five in the morning, wake back up at six in the morning for PT. <laughs> oh my gosh! But yeah. that was the year that Aaron Rodgers broke his collarbone. So towards the end of the year, I was like, yeah. I'm not doing this anymore. So yeah, he's like, hey, Robert said, I do that all the time. <laughs> yeah, I had a guy pancakes for the goat. I had a guy at my watch party last night who was watching from France, and he said it was about 3.30 in the morning there. <laughs> That's awesome. Good for you, dude. <laughs> That's awesome, <laughs> that sounds dude. great. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay, so four games in, the first game with Christian Watson, and Jordan Love is still spreading the ball very well. Um, Romeo Dobbs did have 13 targets, but he caught nine of them. Yeah. So it's not like he's just throwing his way because he sees that he's wearing number 87, and that's the guy he's throwing to. Um so it's not like Love was trying to throw into double and triple coverage to find Romeo Dobbs. Um, for With them, and I'm going to talk about this when we get into some later stuff with Jordan Love's development, but I think with more chemistry, Jordan Love and Romeo Dobbs could be a great pairing for a long time. As far as the spread of the distribution of targets, 10 different players were targeted, 8 different players had receptions. So passing game distribution, I think, so far has been just fantastic. So, John, you're filling in for Simon this week, and you have the unfortunate task of not only covering the defensive line, but also the offensive line. So uh, how did the offensive line do last night? Yeah, I just wanted to say, um, I know this is a very positive show, but y'all are jerks. Because you bring me on for one week, and you give me offensive, defensive lines and tackling after this game? Yeah. Thanks. Appreciate it. Uh, Now you you know why we talk about Simon the way we do. Jeez. All right. So, I mean, here's the deal. Um, we can keep the analysis even fairly brief because, I mean, like you could sum it up with just one singular word. Protection was bad. I mean, in, in just every possible stretch. And I don't want to come off as overly negative, but this is truly a game where the Green Bay Packers appeared lost in terms of blocking, both with the pass 
and the run. They gave up 29 pressures to the Lions, uh, or at least the Lions registered 29 pressures, which was their season high. Like uh, Jake was mentioning in the pre-show, there was even uh, love. There's one stat out there about love getting pressure in almost 50% of his dropbacks. It just absurdly good day for the Lions pass rush, which of course results in a very, very bad day for the Packers offensive line. Mm-hmm. There's even one play, uh, Andy Herman from the Packaday podcast, he put it out on Twitter. There's one play in particular that he shared a clip of where the Packers kept back eight in protection, five O-linemen and three more. The Lions only rushed four. The Lions still got home for a sack. You know how many times were... I noticed that? Huh? It's insane. How many times we were had like six on four and they were still getting oh, home? Yeah. And that's the thing is like there's bad O-line play or there's just not being as good as who's in front of you. And then there's that, which I've been trying all day to figure out, like, how can that even physically possibly happen? I mean, is it is it just a deficiency that the defensive linemen are weaving through multiple dudes on the way to love? Like, no, it's just almost every single time that that happened in the game, the pockets immediately condensed down, whether it was three guys rushing for the Lions four, whether the Lions blitzed, which they barely had to do. It just didn't seem to matter. And I mean, we can talk about injuries. Obviously, there's all the news of David Bakhtiari now. Elton Jenkins was out. Zach Tom absolutely did not look like himself last night. I mean, he led the offensive line in terms of pressures allowed with six pressures allowed. Beyond that, the remaining four on the line, Rasheed Walker had four. Newman had five. uh, John Runyon Jr. had five. And then Josh Myers is actually the best performer of the batch with two. I mean, so it was just totally across all five. It was an incredibly negative performance in the run game. There was no real push forward in the pass game. They were constantly backpedaling. I mean, there's even another clip out there of Royce Newman. Like as soon as the ball being snapped, love takes it in shotgun, gets to the back of his drop back and Newman doesn't get any type of block on the defender at all. He winds up backpedaling straight up into love. Who's dropping back out a shotgun. That kind of push from Detroit's interior. It just can't happen. And like, what's really, really upsetting is it's not like this kind of performance came against the 85 bears or like the purple people eaters. Like the lions have by most metrics, a fairly average pass rush, like Aiden Hutchinson. He's great. The rest of their guys are not exactly known as menaces when it comes to the pass rush. Like uh, Kaminsky, one of their defensive linemen, Peter Bukowski put out on Twitter that even after last night's game, like Kaminsky made a bunch of highlight plays. Even after last night's game, he's now 93rd ranked pass rusher for defensive linemen in the NFL. The worst one that the Packers have is 63rd. Oh, my God. Like, so the Lions, like, with guys that, by all accounts, in terms of pass rush, are substantially worse than the Packers' worst guy, still blew right through what, up until this game, was the Packers' offensive line, which was widely considered, even without Bakhtiari and Jenkins, was widely considered still as one of the best pass-blocking units in the NFL. And they failed. I mean, there's just no way about it. There's... I can't find a positive spin to put on this even like no. it's a failure. This was rough. And there's a lot of 
a lot of work to be done and perhaps some personnel changes to really find its way again. Maybe if this they opens the door to that. If they, if they don't think that Sean Ryan can perform better than Newman, then they need to pick up the phone and find an interior offensive lineman. Well, and that's the thing. See, like at this point, right? And this isn't even a knock on Royce. It's just a fact. Royce Newman gave up five pressures last night, right? And in the run game, he wasn't exactly spectacular. So if you swap out Royce Newman for Sean Ryan, what do you honestly have to lose at this point? The fact that Sean Ryan's going to get bowled over into J-Love? Well, Newman's already doing that. Ryan has longer to go on his contract, had a higher draft pedigree than Newman. Yes, his rookie year was terrible. But if you play Sean Ryan and he actually plays above expectation, you may have fallen your way into a potentially long-term starter versus Newman, which I think we all can acknowledge is probably his career is running its course in Green Bay. There's just a play. Freaking, there's no I'm shocked he even made the roster, dude. There's a play that I watched him completely look like he was on skates. It could push probably the one you referred right. to, just push right into Jordan Love within a half, like a half second. Yeah, and he's, he's he's backpedaling the whole time. Yeah, it's just baffling. I I just don't understand. At that point, he should just fall down into like doggy position and trip the guy. I don't like. What do you just do something? I, I it's more effective than just backing all the way up into Love, who's a solid eight to twelve yards behind you. Right. I just. I, it, it was, I like to watch a particular position and say, well, the easy improvements here are do this and this, or just do that. Watching this performance, it is incredibly difficult to say, given what was put on tape last night, well, here's the solution. Do this or play this differently and it'll work better. Like, no, they just straight up everything they tried got beat and they did it by a subpar unit which is perhaps the worst thing about it. Yeah. So on the offensive line, if there is a positive spin that you want to put on it, the what I would say is that it just shows that there's a massive opportunity for improvement. Um, and there's really only one way to go, and, and that's up. But what I'll say on the subject of maybe using mm-hmm. Sean Ryan, the only thing that I would say that justifies having Royce Newman in the game is that the Packers run a short week. Now, going from Thursday to Monday, and you have 10 days before your next game, I think that's enough time to have Sean Ryan ready to play on Monday. Well, and and I think that's totally fair. I hadn't really considered the short week, to be honest. But there are options even besides Sean Ryan. I mean, Matt LaFleur is always – well, I mean, LaFleur is always preaching best five. And yet, like I know Yash didn't have the best camp, but we're rolling out Royce Newman instead of Yash which just, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. So if we want to get best five, we know Zach Tom can play the interior. If Elton's not ready yet, maybe we have to kick Tom to the interior and let Yash play. It, it it's, it's just clear that if they roll out with that five again without doing something drastically different, these results could repeat themselves. And that's... They, I mean, they're facing Max Crosby the next game they play. Yeah. Uh, it, um, Matt LaFleur, concerning. Yeah. Matt LaFleur did say today that everything is kind of open relating mm-hmm. to the offensive line. So right. I think they'll probably spend probably this weekend looking at what they're going to do with that. You, you well, said exactly what I was going to say too, is like, was there any thought of putting Tom on the inside and putting Yash out there? Like, and I, like we got, something's got to change. And I, I feel like Matt LaFleur says, that a lot, Oh, everything's open to the door or everything's open to change. And then we yeah. come next week. And it's the exact same thing. Yeah. The only thing I can really add is, is it's possible. I mean, like I've done a bunch of talking on my own channel about 
Tom has been so exemplary at tackle. Like to this point, personally, I haven't supported moving him. He's been one of the best pass blocking right tackles in the NFL so far. So why do you really want to screw with that? But yeah, with I mean, injuries, if you had, let's say, I mean, if you still had Jenkins and Bakhtiari on the other side and you're yeah. like, okay, you have to set it and forget it guys on your offensive line. But right now, Zach Tom might be the only set it and forget it guy and maybe Rashid Walker. But I mean, he's what made three starts. Yeah. He so, went, I mean, he's a bit up and down. Yeah, yeah. Up and down hundred percent. So, I mean, right at this point, Zach <clears throat> Tom is maybe your only set it and forget it player on your offensive line. Yeah. Well, and, and, and there's him throws that into flux. There is one player too that really hasn't been talked about at all, even by Lafleur to this point. Who I mean could be coming back soon. He's at least eligible now. Would be Luke Tenuta. Luke Tenuta. I mean yeah. Tenuta of that kind of trio of young tackles where it was like Walker, Jones, and Tenuta. Tenuta was Tenuta was the only one that actually had a little bit of interior line experience. If they can get him back soon, maybe he's the answer to kick inside. Maybe by next Monday, because they didn't, they opted not to put Elton Jenkins on IR. His return's got to be kind of sort of coming soon. Mm-hmm. So maybe he returns, in which case then Josh Myers' play is elevated as well. It should be noted too that on the second series of the game, John Runyon Jr. rolled his ankle, which we have since learned was a sprain, not a high ankle sprain, but still an ankle sprain. So he was not at all his typical self for the rest of the game and paired next to. Zach Tom, who wasn't himself. Like, it's just a mess. Yeah. All right. So, Bryant, how does that that tie into the running game? Another uh, kind of a rough spot. Well, we had 27 rushing yards. So, (laughs) um, that was good. We were outrushed by 184 yards. Uh, Pretty disgusting. Um, And remember what my key to the game was? Run the ball and control the clock. Well, they had the ball for almost twice as long as we did. They had the ball for 38, uh, just shy of 38 minutes. That's disgusting. Yeah, that was rough. So my thing I want to talk about is I get it that Jones is on a pitch count. He didn't touch. He didn't get a carry until we, were, we gave a three touchdown. If he's on a pitch count, give him his pitch count. Use some of those early in the game to get us into a rhythm because he is our best offensive player on the field almost at all times if he's on the field, in my opinion. Romeo Dobbs, you could argue he's getting there too, but he's not on Aaron Jones' level. Jones is far more proven. Yes, far more proven. So if he's on a pitch count, give him the freaking ball, okay? I Like, use it to get us into the rhythm. This is, this is kind of like, what was it? It was a um, – I can't remember what game it was. It was the first game against the Bears or something. He's like, well, we, didn't, we weren't in rhythm, so we didn't give him the ball. I'm like, he is literally a rhythm maker. What do they do? They come out and give him the ball to start the second half. He literally – pretty much does every yard on that drive and scores a touchdown and it's it's full force from there we just wipe the floor with them like aaron jones needs to touch the ball so if he's on a snap count give it to him early and see how he's feeling to get into the thing my the other thing that's just eating at me and i've talked about it now like three weeks in a row so we give aaron jones the ball we get to second and five what do we do? We do this stupid option pitch to him on the outside. We lose two yards again. Against the Saints, it was negative six yards. Against the Falcons, it was negative four. I'm pretty sure is what they the numbers were. And then we go from instead of two to five, now we're in third and seven, incomplete pass for punting. Like, give Aaron Jones the ball and let him run. Stop trying to do cute stuff with him. Get him the ball and let him make plays because that's what he does. So, and then even today, and, and someone asked hey, Matt, are you done with that option play? No, I don't think so. It was a bad time to call it. 
I think every time he's called it this year has been a bad time to call it. So yeah. when he shows me a good time to call it, then I'll trust the play. I don't know if I'm being too harsh on that, but I just like get the guy the ball. I would say he's over three on it so far. Well, so I see your point, what you're getting. Well, then on top of that, that and how I many wanna... times does he have to come out and say, "Oh, I don't have an excuse, or we need to get Aaron Jones the ball earlier and more often"? What oh, you literally twice. say it weekly. At this point, uh, can I just chime in real quick here, Brian? I agree with everything you said so far, by the way, but. The thing, the thing about the run game is it was very, very predictable when they were going to run the ball, where they were going to run the ball. He did not do a very good job of mixing up play calls, uh, stretching them horizontally and vertically, which is something that all these coaches try to do now. And the play that I go to is they had DeGuara, who, by the way, in my opinion, was awful last night. They always kept him in the block, and he wasn't doing shit. And then they tried to motion him and have him be the lead blocker for Jones, and Jones almost died landing on his freaking neck. It was like, bro, is anybody going to do anything right now? Like, none of this running outside is working. Nobody's blocking in the pass. Like, I, I just felt like DeGuara was useless. I felt like the the run run plays were, were useless calls. They didn't do a good job mixing anything. You know what's weird? Is I actually felt that DeGuara was good in the pass game. He had some receptions. Yeah, yeah but they yeah. were playing soft zone at that point. Let's be mm-hmm. honest. And they were kicking so, our ass at that. My thing so. is, if we want to try to run outside, like, don't do the option play. I'd rather, much rather see you do a freaking jet sweep with Watson or Reed or Nixon. Thank you. Someone that's like this thing where we have four people running out there and you're hoping you flip them the ball is just not working. Bro, I felt the same way about Watson because you said that thing about Jones. Mm-hmm. Like, he's on a pitch count. You know, Watson's on a pitch count. Use him on a jet sweep. If he only gains one yard, then they have to think about it at least when he's on the damn field. But my God, if you're wasting their pitch count numbers on not getting those guys the ball, you're making a mistake. Oh, oh you're six five. You're really fast. You're decoy, I guess. Decoys, but yeah, wh- why? Well, and that's just what I was going to say, Tyler. I mean, Watson's presence last night was a lot more decoy than really anything else. Dumb. I mean, he only logged what Watson was at a grand total of I think twenty snaps was his final total. Yeah, and what I was mean, his targets? And that's something where, like, I would actually, the option play specifically, that's something I would save until Watson is healthy because he is now your best blocking wide receiver. So you're not going to get a DB that's going to knife through into the backfield. So hold, keep that play in your pocket until you have Watson on the edge that you know you can trust him blocking. Something yeah, I, I would throw out there. I mean, and I would say, like, with Lafleur's opinion on, like, the timing, I, I tend to agree with that. I mean, like, the option is a football standard. We just haven't seen it in Green Bay yep. forever, right? Like, it is effective if done well. The problem is, like you said, Brian, like, when Lafleur calls it, is it's just bad timing. Like, it's almost one of those plays that you want to pull out since you've got a mobile quarterback that can do it now. You want to pull it out when the defense is already on its heels, not when they're in attack mode. Yeah. And they seemingly pull it out on like second and four or second and six. And then it gets shut down for five and then you're in third and long. Like it's, they're doing it at just terrible, terrible times. And I think that's, what's leading to its downfall. Greg asked the question, is it possible that was just Murphy's law last night? We have a good offensive line. Maybe give this unit one more try. I think in the interest of exploring perspectives, I think it is possible. Yeah, because we've seen Rasheed Walker do a good job at left tackle. Uh, Royce Newman, that I'm okay is... with everyone other than Royce. Like it's yeah. done at this point. Um, cool. 
but I mean, John, like John already pointed out between Zach Tom and John Runyon, like they didn't play three quarters of this game at a hundred percent. And actually we've seen Josh Myers make a little bit of progress, not a lot, but a little bit of progress so far this season. So he's I, had a pretty solid start to the year. Actually, yeah, I, think it's, yeah, I think it's possible that it just kind of ended up being one of those, everything went right for the lions things, but Bro, I, I, mean, literally I wouldn't, I wouldn't chalk it up to that solely, but I well, think that's a little bit of it possible. I do think there's something to be said for it. I mean, <laughs> it was the same starting five that did just fine against the Saints mostly last week. They, they have, have a, a good pass seven. rush. Yeah, and and by reputation alone, you assume the Saints pass rush is better than the Lions pass rush, and they yeah, seem to do like they seem to do fine against the Saints. Well, now they go against a very hungry Detroit team. John Runyon Jr.'s walking on a hobbled ankle for 80% of the game. Zach Tom does not look himself at all. Like, yeah, there were holes all over the place. And Josh Myers, like, is an above-average pass-blocking center. But he, we can say pretty confidently at this point in this career, like, he needs competent guard play next to him to be really effective. Yeah, And competent guard play is not Rice Newman and a hobbled John Runyon Jr. So then he was put on an island too often, too. It's just fair. It's it was just bad all the yeah, way around, yeah. and and a lot of it was bad luck. I agree with that. Runyon will get healthy in the ten days off. I'm hoping yeah. to have Jenkins back for that Monday nighter because we have a bye week after that. So maybe if he could, you know, give us something, gut, gut a game out for us, that would be huge for us. Honestly, huge, massive. Yeah. I mean, um, the Raiders it, are just imploding right now with all the Chandler Jones drama off true. the field, and there's now there's all this stuff going on about Josh McDaniels. I mean, Max Crosby and Devontae are talking. Trash about the coach, uh, talking yeah. trash about Mark Davis. Still the worst haircut in the history, by the way. But um, that, that has nothing to do with football. <laughs> but it is, dude. Look at that. Like, what is going on over there? <laughs> and, then, and then he looks like he. Uh, never mind. Never mind. Um, All right, Jake. How did uh, how the red zone offense do? The red zone offense was actually pretty decent. Uh, the first attempt came after a interception by Rudy Ford. Rudy Ford was pretty good. We were talking before the show that he actually had a pretty solid game. Um, also has the best Instagram fo- uh, profile pick of all time. So go check that out if you like Dragon Ball Z. Uh, that's my nerd nerd uh, quote of the day. Uh, the first drive that we had was four plays and zero yards. Um, first down, we threw a pass that was terrible to Aaron Jones, incomplete. We got sacked on second down. Um, that's inexcusable when you get field position in the red zone right away. You cannot get sacked. And from that moment on, and I and my daughter, you know, put everything on her life right now. What I'm about to say is completely honest. When I saw that sack, I got a feeling in my stomach like these boys are coming. <laughs> it felt like they were. It felt like Hutchinson was hunting. And it felt like they were coming after us. They were not going to let us take this game from them. We were going to have to take it from them. Um, and then after that, we threw a nine-yard pass to Dubs to make up for the loss and the sack, and we got a field goal. So yada, 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 you fast forward. We're getting our ass whooped. Everybody in Wisconsin is uh, disgusted. Uh, 98% of the state is drunk at this point. And then we got our second opportunity in the red zone. <laughs> that, that's really what happened. Uh, we have a 12-play drive, 12-play 86-yard drive. So our first play in the red zone on this drive was a fourth and nine, and it was a pass from Love the Dubs that got us to the two Detroit two-yard line for a 15-yard gain. That was a great play call by mm-hmm. by the floor. I feel like uh, that's great. the exact same one they ran to Jaden Reed against the Saints in a similar it's situation. It's pretty hard to flip it. Yep, 
Yep, they just flipped the play. That's exactly what it was, too. Um, except they just ran at the Dubs, uh, who was cooking last night. Uh, we got the first and goal from the two-yard line. Uh, we gave it to A.J. Dillon, tried to power it in. He got got one tough yard. That was a tough three feet. So I give him <laughs> credit for that one. And then second and goal from the one, Love finds Christian Watson wide open for his first touchdown. And we ran nice it. Call. It was a nice play call. Um, I was a little nervous watching the replay because watching a little bit, I was like, you SOB. Um, that continued my feelings of whatever's going to go wrong in this game is going to go wrong in this game. Um, Love finds Reed. Uh, very good. That was a freaking laser, by the way, that he threw to That Reed, was nice. Uh, for the two-pointer. So then we get our third opportunity. Uh, the play that maybe shouldn't have happened. The controversial play that maybe shouldn't have happened. Love to Reed for 44 yards. Uh, at the end of the third quarter, set us up in the red zone. Uh, that had 52.6, if I remember correctly, uh, of air yards. 52.6 air yards. Um, I saw somebody on Facebook today say that Love's deep ball was a problem last night. I'm like, what fucking game were you watching? Bro, that was <laughs> that was a bucket, dude. You could maybe say he was looking too deep too often with the pressure. I'll give you that. But yeah. the when his actual deep throws weren't a problem last night. Yeah, like, when he actually no, threw it, it wasn't a problem. Right. So – that set us up with first and goal from the nine. Uh, Love tried to go back to Jaden Reed. It was incomplete. And then second and goal from the line, uh, nine-yard line. <laughs> uh, Love untouched on his way to the end zone. That was that a nice play call as well. Was nice. argue, I think that was my favorite play of the game, actually. We will uh, – Tyler and I will have to watch the game together again this week and break down some plays, but I guarantee you that Jordan Love play is going to be in there. Uh, we had a failed two-point attempt on this one, but – uh, I thought the the red zone offense. I think honestly they uh, they've been a little bit more creative this year. Uh, mm-hmm. The ability to use the quarterback's feet has definitely been something that's that's opened mm. up the playbook a lot. So um, I think that they've been good in the red zone. Can't can't really complain. That's probably the one thing in this game that you can't complain about is the red zone offense. Outside of the sack they took on the second play, I thought they were really really good. You just got to get there more often. Yeah, yeah. Came away with points every time. So yeah. Okay, so third down offense, I feel like there's some things here contextually, and then I think there are actually a little bit of redeeming qualities. Mm-hmm. Um, so the Packers were three for 11. That's 27% on third downs. That's well below my goal of 40% that I set for the team so that they can be in the top half of the league. That's really where I'm looking for the Packers to be, 40% top half. Uh, they were one for one on fourth down, which is good. Jake mentioned that fourth and nine pass. Second half, third downs, they were three for six. So just like I would say pretty much everything else, it was better in the second half. So when the Packers went into halftime down 24 to three, I tweeted out, like, I'm really just looking for the Packers to put to put good reps out. Just win the second half. Like, if – not that I write it off, like, you know, that it's impossible to come back, but barring a comeback, like, I'm just looking just win the second half. Do something you can build on for the next game. And I felt the Packers actually did that. They won the second half 17 to 7. So, like, I actually, as far as this game goes, like, I wasn't super mad by the end result. The first half was frustrating, but I do actually feel like the Packers did fairly well in the second half at a a lot of things. So, being third and three of six on third downs in the second half, 50%, that I was happy with. Um, So, the other thing. Oh, this is tough. So Jake is going to talk about third down defense in a little bit. 
and he's going to tell you what the uh, the Lions' average third down distance was. The Not Packers' great. third down average distance was 10.2 yards. Oh, my. Yeah. <laughs> literally, it was literally more than an average down in distance. I literally don't even know what to do. I saw a tweet last night that wanted to make me throw up. But continue your talking. I'll talk about it in coaching. So I think it has a little bit to do with that. Okay. Uh, Bryant, how about special teams? Uh, I might throw up in my mouth. <laughs> it's the second week in a row, just atrocious. Like, that's the best way to – you guys seen my notes. I won't share all of those. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I thought – I don't know if Rich Passaccia has, like, a control over the special teams or if he just tells them to go out there and do whatever they want to do. The penalties are – Disgusting. I think we had four accepted penalties last night, and they were all on special teams. So Bro, he's the highest paid special teams coach in the NFL. Yeah. And also talking about Nixon, I'm not going to put it all on him. Nixon is explosive, but he is hurting us at this point. And I wrote oh. down the numbers and I'll share them with you. Okay. This unit is not disciplined right, enough right now for him to be taking the ball out of the end zone six, seven yards deep. And you know how they we know that people were applauding when he didn't catch the ball and run it out. Yeah. Yeah. But, so we started the I'm gonna go I'm gonna go over the five returns he had. Each time, just for context, each time he took it out, we started less than the 25 yard line. So the first time he took it out to the 20. The second time he took it out to 21. Third time he took it out, 10 yard penalty. We started at our 10 yard line, immediate interception. The fourth time he took it out, a decent return, but it was a holding. So we started at our 14. The fifth time he took it out, he got it to 21st. So every return that he took out started less than 25 and cost us 39 yards of field position. If you took from 39 from the 25 yard line, you're in field goal position. So he costed us a field goal position worth of yards last night by taking the ball out of the end zone. That's why I said it was two weeks ago. I said you should, if he's in the front half of the end zone, take it out. If you're in the back half of the end zone, stay in the end zone. So it's, and it's a couple weeks in a row now. And it's just been bad. Like the only times we started at the 25 yard line were the couple of touchbacks we took. The, now, the last thing that I want to talk about is on special teams is obviously that big play that, that completely deflated any comeback chance, right? As soon as we got that penalty, we all went to break feeling – we went to that commercial feeling like, okay, man, we got nine minutes to score two touchdowns. Let's get this done. Come back and there's a freaking – after the damn special teams units have gotten on the field, there's yeah. – I mean, the kickoff teams, there's a penalty. Mm-hmm. So – and we can blame Koye, but when Matt LaFleur says in his post-game press conference that the players need to know, understand the rules and know them, and that's on coaching – I believe him. I'm not saying that Quay didn't know that rule, but they I have a feeling they, they grant, glanced over it for 30 seconds one time and just assumed that everyone understood. And you can see when they, went to, when they cut to um, Quay or Matt LaFleur talking to Quay, I don't know if you lip read a little bit, but I could, I could see what he said. He said, this cannot happen again, as I'm almost positive what he said. But something mm-hmm. tells me that Rich Passaccia or whoever did not inform him, like, hey, we cannot do this. So that's on coaching. John, I don't know if you saw it. Um, I don't know. I didn't see, like, the – I wanted to see, like, the goal line. So I wanted to see, like, was he, like, three yards away when he walked and run, jumped over him? Or he was he, he like, had a running start. Yeah. That's what I wanted to know. I wanted to know how far away from the line of scrimmage he was. He like, it was start. a yard and a half, and they were really calling him over, like, a foot and a half, or if no, he was actually he ran three yards jump. away. No, he knew, he knew what he was doing. Okay. Yeah, he knew what he was doing. for sure. And And that's what made it a penalty was the running start. Okay. Like is it the right call? Yeah. But yeah. is it is it trash that it's a freaking personal foul 
Yeah, the fact that it's an unsportsmanlike conduct and that it's in the same group of penalties as late hits, roughing the passers, yeah, like intentional face masks, that's kind of weird. Come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't agree with that. But at the same time, I mean, like anything that they're going to call, like however you want to classify that penalty, it's going to result in the offense getting a redo. Like, I mean, any special teams penalty on a field goal kick like that almost always, per every other rule, is going to result. Anywhere outside the... 10 15 yard line they're probably still taking the points but inside the 10 oh yeah because yeah, yeah, go you don't want them stepping on that say you know that long snapper has his head tucked down between his legs just snapping the ball but i think several years ago the rules is if you make you can do it but you can't make contact with them and now mm-hmm. they change it to where you can't get the run up yep yeah. yeah and that's that's my understanding too like it used to just be that you couldn't yep. use the guy's back as a springboard Right, yeah. and then like that's still definitely a penalty. But yeah. now they've added the even if you clear it, there's still too much injury risk, so we're going to ban that too. With metal cleats, I understand it, and that's why they kind of stipulated I the whole like they didn't want to get into guys on the line just accidentally toppling over, and then that being able to be called. That's why they added in the clause of there has to be a running start. And, and Brian, like I'm in a hundred percent agreement. Like that comes down to coaching. Like that, like Rich Bisaccia, you're the special teams <coughs> coordinator. Your main job is to make sure all of your dudes know the rules of special teams because they're very nuanced, like inside and out. And then they just didn't. That's that. Like that falls on coaching. I think it's eight penalties in the last two games on special teams. Way yeah, too many. Is. Can, can I add in that again? He is the highest paid special teams coach. Can we, can we maybe like not have this become a goddamn problem? People are complaining about, about Joe Barry every week. Nobody's saying anything about Passaccia. There's no way we're not the worst special teams unit as far as penalties in the NFL right now. Maybe part of penalties. his salary is because he's also the assistant head coach. Yeah, he's the associate coach. Just, yeah. you know, just oh, is he doing maybe. his job there? Because we sure looked ready to play last night. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I was pissed at the coaching all night last night. It was it was god awful. Yeah. Oh, I, I would say, I said during the recap of the Saints game, I hope that we're able to come down from that high of winning that game and be prepared for Thursday night. I don't think we were at all. Mm-mm. And I just want to say this as devil's advocate, the players play a part in that too. And that mm-hmm. is a factor where having the youngest team in the NFL is a disadvantage. Very much so. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to use the next, um, the defense as the, uh, Jumping point with Troy's question. Troy asks, what are your opinions on our secondary play? For years now, we've let QBs and running backs willingly run for huge gains. Is our secondary that worrisome, or is it poor defensive line and linebacker play? So John actually has all three of those uh, topics, but um, start with the secondary first, and then Jake will talk about the rushing defense uh, before we continue on. So John, go ahead and talk about the secondary. Honestly, it wasn't like... Out of all of the low points in the game, the secondary wasn't amongst the lowest, probably just because attention was so heavily placed elsewhere. Um, But the truth is, I mean, Jared Goff passing against them was 19 of 28, 210 yards, one touchdown, one pick. Now, we did see the very early game interception that came from uh, Rudy Ford, of which Ford did have one of his better games of the season completely, absolutely. Um, but I mean, really like this is a secondary unit that yesterday forced no incompletions on golf, according to PFF, like 
All nine of his incompletions were their own doing. It said that there was zero forced, at least from what I saw. Did one give very... one to Carl Brooks for his past defense for knocking one down at the line of scrimmage? It didn't give it to him, at least. So they blame yeah, that, that on team. Goff for throwing that? Could be. Yeah, they... You should give credit to Carl Brooks for making that play. Right, yeah, that's really that's, weird. That's, that's why right. I said I, I'm very skeptical of their grades. So, With, Yeah, I understand that. I like their uh, subsection grades a lot better than their overall grades. Yeah. I agree with their um, statistics more than their grades because there's so much opinion baked into them. Yeah. I would say when it comes to like, there's a couple things I do want to talk about. One was the personnel change. Carrington Valentine got many of the starter snaps throughout most of the game and then was seemingly benched for Corey Valentine practice squad elevation. Damn. Today, when he was asked about that, Matt LaFleur basically mentioned that that was purposeful, that the plan all along was to switch to Valentine when the Lions were going to switch to a more run heavy game plan. I can't say that it actually made an impact in any way, shape, or form. Uh, they didn't really run to the outside. What, right. I mean, plus even like Valentine throughout his play history, he is a, a moderately sure tackler, but he's not exactly one that I think of that is a run-stopping cornerback. Yeah, he's not a thumper. Right. They must just trust him more than Valentine. My personal opinion is I wouldn't have made that change, partially because like you're already down by a bunch. Right. And Carrington Valentine, especially with his more aggressive man style, is more likely to come up with a field shifting play than someone like a Valentine. So me personally, being a little bit more of a gambler, like I would have rather had the young rookie corner in that's going to try to make a play versus the corner that maybe I trust not to screw up, but probably is going to allow completions to to get past on him. So I mean, like, I, then just the other thing is, I would just say leave Valentine in. He's the rookie. Give him the experience. Right. So I, I get the logic, but it's not yeah. one that I would personally prescribe to. Um, yeah. And the other thing that I would just say is Razul Douglas. Like, dude, you got to change your spikes because yeah. I like this was already not his best game, but this is now two weeks in a row on his home field grass that Razul Douglas has been slipping and sliding all over the place. And it's like, dude, if you're on the road, I get it. You know, you got to go in and change your spikes, whatever. You're at home. And I know that there's some, like, questions about, like, the Packers, I guess, changed part of the composition of the actual grass this offseason. They did a little bit more sand underneath than they traditionally have. But, like, dude. We've never on. talked this much about the playing field until 2023. Yeah. At home right. and on the road. Like, Razul, where your big old spikes Get in there, like stop slipping around. Because that first touchdown around Ross St. Brown was pretty exclusively because Razul Douglas lost his footing right where Amon Ra was making his break. And then it was a wide open piece of cake touchdown. And that, that just can't continue to happen from who is supposed to be the Packers' number one corner as it stands right now. So, yeah. Packers yeah. missed Jair. Um, Deeply. Yeah. John, you want to pick in this question on the air? Yeah. Or, uh... What's up, Blake Cabells? Uh, it's interesting how much better this team plays in the second half, especially in defense and offense in the fourth. Unsure of that's us getting locked in or teams playing not to lose. A little bit of both. Yeah, probably a little bit of both. My personal opinion is it's actually the Packers playing how the players would prefer to play. Like, that's my take. Let's let's go. Like, yeah, exactly. We played very poorly in the Atlanta second half because we had the lead, and I feel like we took the – like, this has been a thing 
Matt LaFleur will say all gas, no break. But anytime we get a lead, I feel like there's a little bit of break going on. And then these last two games we've been behind, they get in a hurry up and Jordan Love and the offense gets into a rhythm. Like if they need to open the damn game with hurry up, do it. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. Yes. Yes. Like, Like, because, and Jordan Love, like throughout training camp, like in training camp, we were talking about this on our show. Jordan Love was a slow starter. The very first camp practice, he was a slow starter. Every other camp practice, when did you start hearing about Love? It's he started getting into a rhythm when they did the two-minute drill, which is most of the way through practice. Preseason games, they kept him in for two, three drives because the first one always sucked, and he had to get into a rhythm. And now we're seeing him in the regular season. The first half almost always sucks. But when does he, like, turn it on? When he stops thinking so freaking much and runs up to the line, does no huddle. And this isn't completely, like, out of bounds. It's not unexpected for a young quarterback. They just have to hand him the keys and say, go run, young pup. Like, yeah. Yeah. get no huddle going and get the guys into a rhythm. I don't understand Matt LaFleur's insistence on these are the 15 scripted plays we're going to start the game with. We're going to take our time with it. We're going to be in control. And we're going to set up the defense for what we want to do later. And not I a single one of them will beat the Aaron Jones. And on <laughs> second and six, we're running an option play. Right. I think that ties in with a lot of the comments that Matt LaFleur made, not only in the preseason, but so far during the regular season is telling Jordan Love to trust his instincts, put him in situations where he doesn't have time to think yeah. about it. Well, and yeah. him to use his instincts into my, to my opinion, like that is spot on, but I'm going to turn that right back on the floor and say, then trust them to trust their instincts right. and let them go play. Yeah, and that's quickly. a good point. Because right now, the beginning of the game always looks so heavily orchestrated. And then it fails because it isn't rigid. It isn't the young kids just going and playing. And that's what this team should be. It's like robotic, the first 15 plays. Yeah, it's robotic because it's, it's scripted. It's confined. It's rigid. And that's not the way these kids want to go play. Right. Like they have to. That's not a way you do a rebuild either. Right. You have to embrace the youth that they have. Like they yep. are faster than almost any defense they're going to come against. They're more athletic. They're more athletic. Their linemen, even as crap as they were last night, are very athletic offensive linemen who want to space out and zone pass pro. So why don't we actually embrace that? Get those guys moving and push down the field, as opposed to this striving for perfection orchestration over fifteen plays when we're already down seventeen nothing. Yeah. I mean, even I, the Bears I game. Don't get it. Even yeah. the Bears game, that was ten to six at halftime. I, I just well, I, I get one of the one of the second half touchdowns was from the defense, but still, that's still twenty one yeah. points in the second half of that game. Yeah, right. I I just I don't understand it at this point. It almost feels like like it's that old adage, like they're trying to be perfect, and it's in spite of being good. Like stop trying so hard to do this orchestrated plan, and just go out and play. You just. I'm just thinking about this out loud as you're talking about it and a little bit of it. And you guys can tell me if I'm wrong. This is just off the top of my head. I didn't even like do no research. <laughs> it feel it almost feels like it's LaFleur's pride because he had Rogers had all those 13 win seasons. And I think a little bit of it is he wants to prove that he wasn't just winning those games because of Rogers, that he's actually the offensive genius and he's the one that got the receivers open. This is just me like spitballing. I'm not sure. I'm not saying that's what it is, but like it almost feels like that a little bit. Like if I, oh, Rogers won two MVPs with me, 
oh, so if I can get Jordan Love to throw all these touchdowns and I can get Aaron Jones open for wide open plays, like then people are still going to say that I'm an offensive mastermind and all this stuff. You know what I'm saying? Well, like I I get what you're saying, but I think like throughout throwing out last night, like let's just talk first three weeks. Yeah. Matt Lafleur has gotten a ton of compliments through their two and one start for oh, yeah. for like orchestrating this brilliant, complex, throwing out the kitchen sink style offense. Like JT O'Sullivan for the quarterback school has talked about that. Dwayne Orlovsky, like a bunch of national pundits have talked about how creative hey. Lafleur has been through this point. Uh-huh. Yeah, and what what would make him look brilliant, in my opinion, is actually like tailoring it to what the guys have 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 got to do. And and you know what? Me and Tyler, or Tyler and I, sorry. Me and Tyler. I sound like a freaking meathead. Tyler and I <laughs> we uh we've been given a lot of compliments to, to the floor. We've been watching the games together, uh breaking them down. Uh we've been giving a lot of compliments to a lot of play calling that LaFleur has done. And like like we said a million times, this is gonna be probably the fifteenth time we said it already. They're a young team, right? So they're gonna they're gonna make mistakes. Love's gonna be a little bit late on reads, but I don't know. I, I just feel it maybe maybe the sky's falling in my head yet from last night. It, it it's really good. Like still, like let's put it in context. If if honestly we everyone said, Hey, we'll be two and two after four games, I think most of us would be like, Oh, I'm sign me up for that because that means we're competing as a young team. Um and stuff like that. If you look at Jordan Lewis, you know, I think his first interception got tipped. Uh, the second one. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. You can see, clearly see the breakdown between just between him and Dobbs, you know, whether that was on Love or on Dobbs. I think um, Malifornia, the there was a window, a window there for, and he sees what Love's seen, but he's going to look at a tape. But I kind of see what Dobbs seen too. Like, hey, if I turn around, I'm behind these guys and I'm open in the end zone as well. It just so happened that's exactly when Love pulled the trigger on it. Yeah. So you can't do much. I have that in my notes to talk about that play with when we talk about Jordan Love later because I'm actually not mad at that interception at all. Yeah. But overall, I like the fact that they continue to fight. So, but um, I got to jump off, gentlemen. I kind of talked to you about that. I got some family yep. things going on. Yep. So, yep. Uh, hey, thanks for coming on, and uh, I'll see you guys later. All hey, right. Take care, man. Yeah, Hope right. everything works out. Yep. Yeah, take thanks. care. All right. So, Greg said if I had to choose only three Packer podcasts to watch, this would be one of the three. He's commenting that from, from John, so I'm assuming he's talking about John, but hopefully you'll <laughs> all of us you like us too. <laughs> Thank you, Greg. I appreciate that. Thanks, man. Um I like you too, Greg. Let's <laughs> 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 go fanatics, by the way. Um 
Blake Cobbles again said, I think it's closer to trying so hard to protect Love that he's handcuffing him, but make no mistake, Jordan I, didn't I keep four that. different first down chances and threw into coverage, especially in the first half. Yeah. He's going to be late. He's going to miss leads. It's going gonna, it's gonna to happen. And yeah. I think part of it, okay, so if, let's let's save the, let's table the Jordan Love thing. Let's get through the rest of the yep. defense first, and we'll talk yep, about yep. Love. Um, Greg said, I'll spread the word here in the UP. Hey, I appreciate it. Hey. Hell yeah. Thank you, Greg. Um, so Jake, go to the, the rushing defense. All right. Let's rip this. Let's rip this bandaid <laughs> off. Let's rip this band-aid off together, boys. I had to rip it off on myself before. It was it was tough. So 43 carries, 211 yards, three touchdowns, 4.9 yard average. That's their totals. They had almost as many rushes as we had plays. Mm-hmm. We had 53 plays. They had 43 rushes. Yeah. So I I, I wrote down all the all the rushing attempts and, and yeah, yeah, here here it comes, Chris. <laughs> so <laughs> so Monty obviously 32 carries, 121, three touchdowns. And yeah. every week now I break it down from wide left, mid left, mid right, and wide right. So going wide left, he had 11 carries, 63 yards, and a touchdown. Mid left, four carries, 13 yards, touchdown. Hey. Mid right, seven carries, 12 yards, touchdown. Hey, hey you're, you're the thing you said last week and the week before, it's holding up. Bro, they really, people really don't run on us up the middle that much, to be completely honest. Um, wide right, 10 carries, 33 yards. So on the outsides, yeah. we're susceptible to the run. So then you get I'll to give eight carries. That's 3.3. I'll take that. Absolutely. Yeah, it's not it's not terrible. Um, eight carries, forty yards, zero touchdowns for Gibbs. He had one carry wide left for two yards, one carry mid left for six yards, three carries mid right for fifteen yards, and three carries for seventeen yards in the wide right. So, not a crazy game from Gibbs. They don't give Gibbs the ball enough, <laughs> in my opinion. Well, it's week four um, of the rookie season. Yeah, yeah, I know. And they're a team that um, has playoff aspirations. If they were a team that was like in the position of the Bears. Where they're like, all right, our running backs that we had here aren't doing well. We're going to start giving our rookie a shit ton of carries. Then I could see doing what you're saying with Gibbs. Sure, that's fair. Um, so Goff had two carries for ten yards. Um, so he had one carry for negative one yards, and then he had one carry for eleven yards, and that was to the wide left. So Raymond had a carry that was one carry forty yards, and that double reverse that was to the wide right. So I totaled up everything, right? Wide left, 13 carries, 76 yards, touchdown. That's a 5.8-yard average. That's not great. Mid left, five carries, 19 yards, one touchdown. That's a 3.8-yard average. That's livable. That's respectable. You can live with that. Uh, Mid right, 10 carries, 27 yards, touchdown. That's a 2.7-yard average. Okay. That's that's good. good. I'll take that. So remember the 40-yarder. It uh, really swayed the numbers on this one. (laughs) Uh, so they had 14 carries for 90 yards. That's a oh, 6.4 yard average. Jeez. Okay. Yeah. One for 40 Hertz. Yeah. Otherwise it would have been 13 for, for 50, which is, I mean, which still, is still not, not still great. Or, yeah. But it's not six and a half yards. The average, well, you know, the yeah. 40 yarder really killed that, but that was a great play call. You know, I'm going to say it again. Um, I said it to John. I don't even remember if we were alive. Me and John have been talking for so damn long now. <laughs> um, <laughs> I am praying for the day, and Greg, I hope you hear this. I am praying for the the day that Ben Johnson gets a head coaching job because that guy can call a <laughs> damn football game. Yeah, that guy, holy shit, yeah. dude! 
And it's not, it's like the little things that people don't even notice, like the, the mixing up of the play calls, when to call the double reverse, you know, just pounding it to the left side, throwing it to the right side. Using I mean, tight end. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, you having a guy like Amonra, let's be honest, that guy is a stud. Mm-hmm. He absolutely commands all of your attention in the middle of the field. Um, getting guys like Josh Reynolds to actually be relevant <laughs> is impressive. Um, but Greg yeah, said he's they, wrong if he doesn't go to the Bears. Hey, there's something we can agree on, Greg. Greg's yeah, I don't want him to go to the Bears either because that Bears. guy is going to be a great head coach. Can you imagine him? Like, imagine if Staley gets fired. Can you imagine him getting his oh. hands on Herbert, dude? Oh, maybe that's the job he's waiting for, too. Dude, filthy. That's Ooh. the first one that, that popped in my head when I thought about Ben Johnson, dude. Yeah, I can get see Staley that. out of there. Staley's you know probably a better DC anyways, but – uh, get him out of there and put Ben Johnson in that position. Those that Chargers team will erupt. In my I mean, opinion. that's what Callen Moore was supposed to do for them, but yeah, yeah. But Ben Johnson is Ben Johnson's real, in my opinion. So um, the running game, not great for our defense. <laughs> um, John, how do they do tackling wise? Yes, Bad. yes, he does. Bad. I mean, like, I'm okay. just gonna put it simple, right? <laughs> right? <laughs> I mean, like basically team wide, with the exception of Quay Walker. Like Quay, we talked about at the top of the show. Quay looked like he actually wanted to play last night. It wasn't just the fact that he tackled with incredible technique, it was when he arrived, he did so with aggression. Ultimately, though, the Packers are credited, at least per PFF, with 13 missed tackles, which in my opinion is really, really kind of <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like, like going back to the Atlanta game, we were talking about this before the show. I felt like with Atlanta, they had 21 missed tackles. That's also what Matt Schneidman, the Athletics said. Like, that's yep. what it looked like. And yep. now, I, watching this game last night, I was like, okay, like, this <laughs> one's going to be close. Like, we're going to be at, like, 18 or so. And then, no, just 13 missed tackles, which, <laughs> I mean, you look at who had those missed tackles, too. Here's just a quick rundown. Devontae Wyatt, four missed tackles. Nixon, two. And then Quay, Enigbare, McDuffie, Valentine, Savage, Douglas, and Smith all had one. So the thing is, like when you see a spread like that, one, it's pretty well rampant across anyone who played substantial defensive snaps had at least one missed tackle. 73 plays will do that to you. True true but at the same time like my i know i'm focusing on tackling here but the thing that i talk about is the easy answer for so many is fix the defense means fire joe barry and i get the gripes with joe barry i understand because mm-hmm. schematically this was not exactly a defense i was built to win last night but when you have 13 missed tackles in a game or 21 missed tackles in a game i don't really care what scheme you're running they're going to run through you and that's and we saw it last week. Last week I counted two. Yeah. And they held the Saints to 10 points. Yeah. I think even PFF tracked them at four last week. So, like, still like an exemplary tackling performance against the Saints. Yeah. And then this week, beautiful. I, I think like you were talking about Ben Johnson earlier. What he did a really good job of for the Lions last night was especially on pass plays, everything was so spread out that the Packers had to at least attempt to make a number of one-on-one tackles. They kind of took away the ability for the Packers defense to just swarm. And when the Packers defense is actually semi-reliable is when they're able to swarm, which is exactly how they were last week against New Orleans. Detroit did a great job of completely taking that away. And it exposed guys like Keyshawn Nixon, who 
is a very up and down tackler. It exposed others that if you get them in the open field, they're not great at that. So this was, we can call this teaching tape for bad tackling technique. Um, Put this and the Falcons game together. Yeah, right. And just, and too many, like we've been watching it for years with the Packers, like no matter who's been the coordinator or whatever, too many of these stinking, like stick out your arm, hope they come down Yeah, with their feet, hope they come down. It, it's just bad technique. I mean, actually, like Quay, one of the reasons he was so impressive last night was it felt like so many of those 19 tackles were pure. Like it was, he stood up the guy in front of him and brought them down. Put the shoulder on him beautiful. and wrap up. Yeah, it was beautiful <laughs> tackling technique, which he needs to coach the secondary especially on. So Greg said he believes that Quay is already a top 10 linebacker in the league. I wanted to say this, and this is what I was waiting for to get to this point. I'm going to go on a limb. I'm going to say Quay Walker is the Packers' best defensive player. No. It's still Jair. Okay. And I'm, I'm meaning just in 2023. But okay, in 2023, this season so far in four games, I believe he's our best defensive player. I'm not sure I can go that far. But I'm gonna I'm very, say very I'm gonna say he's missed two. Jair's missed two of the first. I, four I games. know that makes it yeah. hard. So, that makes it a really small sample size because no, Jair I'm, was great. I'm still, still Jair, Jair was great in week one, but week two was rough for Jair. And I'm not I'm not at all saying that Jair is not a great defensive player, but I don't think Quake Walker is being given enough credit where for how big of a step he's taken so far. I would agree with that. The other player I, that I'd mention in like the best conversation, I think even on 20 snaps a week, we have to acknowledge yeah, how impactful Rashawn Gary's 20 snaps have been. I mean, he, even after last night, he's still on pace for like, if he does 20 snaps, he's on pace for something stupid, like 18.4 sacks is what I read earlier today. Like I, it's just insanity at this point. He's doing it on 20 snaps a week. Yeah. Gary, can't Gary get that kind of impact at this bad. point. Yeah, I would still say Quay is third best player on the defense. I'm not even going to lie to you. I, that, I, that's I, not even like I, being disrespectful. Right. We just have a lot of talent. We have, dude, we have eight first round picks on defense, dude. We're okay. supposed to be having debates like this on defense. And let right? me, let me say this too, is um, the thing that people keep coming up to is people saying eight first round picks on defense. Gary's on a snap count. Jair Alexander's missed two games. Eric Stokes hasn't played la- like these like the last what 12, 12 13 games. Yeah. Yeah. So that's three guys you're missing out of your first round picks that aren't playing right now. Yeah. So and right I now mean, it's five. And realistically like looking at their secondary, they only ever kept four corners on the initial 53. Right? And then they lost Jair. Yeah. So already like your starting corners if you want to consider nickel their starting base defense are playing every single snap and you're elevating an Innis Gaines or a Corey Ballantyne guys that the Packers didn't put on the 53 for a reason. Not that they're bad, but they're certainly not like exemplary. I mean, let's be honest. There's levels (laughs) to this shit, right? So yeah, right. You're not at the 53 level. You're on the practice squad. That's just, it is what it is. That's the world. They're tears down for a reason. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Getting Stokes back. Like even I, I think Stokes has gotten a little bit, worse of a reputation than his play last year actually dictated. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's gotten to the point where people are now like over angsty towards Stokes compared to what he actually did. 
I think having I a really good rookie season kind of is, uh, made people like raise their expectations a little too high for well, him, They right just expect yeah. him to be a first ballot Hall of Famer after that. It's like, dude, yeah. relax. He filled in admirably yeah. when Jair was hurt, and then people were like, well, he should be the next Jair, right? Like, <laughs> Jair wasn't Jair in year one or two. Right. So, right. That's not how that works. <laughs> handful of comments that I want to go through quick. Like Kevels again said, someone pointed out why it is so focused on trying to move past someone. He's cutting other guys' lanes off and messing up the run defense big time. He ran into, uh, removed Gary in a few plays. That I can't say just from watching that I've noticed that. Um, like Jake said, we're going to rewatch the game at some point and look for some plays to break down. So I will keep an eye out for that. And That's I can it. talk to that maybe next Friday when we do our preview for the Raiders game. Uh, Chris asked a question that I was planning on asking is if there's a, a defensive coordinator we would replace Joe Barry with. And Jake already mentioned one of the only guys that I can think of. Like there's not, it's not like there's just this perfect guy out there waiting. That's just going to revolutionize everything we're doing and just make us a top five defense. Like this is the NFL. Everybody else that you're playing with is professional football players. And well, I'll go, I'll easily say that the NFL in American sports is the league with the most parity across the league. It's not even close, in my opinion, that the NFL has the most parity in professional sports. So it's not like there's guys just out there waiting, you know, for a defensive coordinator position to open up for them to pounce on and be like, look at what I can do with this defense. Like it's not, you know, there's not just a, a Luke Fickle that's, waiting at Cincinnati for a power five job to open up. It's not something like that. So Jake mentioning Brandon Staley, that's, I mean, off the top of my head without doing any research on it, that's like really the only guy I can think of. And he would have to get fired from his job first too. Yeah. And he, if he gets fired from a head coaching job, he's not coming right over. I mean, that's going to be off season at the earliest. Right. And that's the other thing too, is, I mean, I highly, highly doubt, pretty much no matter how it goes, the Packers are going to move on from Joe Barry midseason. It's just oh, not their way. Yeah. It'll be after the offseason. And, and, and yep. if they did, like if something went terribly wrong, and if they did, it probably is going to be an internal candidate that they just temporarily elevate into the interim role. Rich Passaccio. Yeah, but I mean, he doesn't have the defensive background. Yeah. He can be the motivator, but he doesn't have the D background. So I think it's going to wind up being like, could be the new secondary coach, Greg Williams, who they got from uh, from Arizona. Yeah, Arizona. Or the other one that I would think would have to be considered by this point would be the outside linebacker coach, Jason Rebervich, who they picked up from Jacksonville prior to last season. Yep. What about uh, Jerry Montgomery? Uh, <coughs> excuse me. I know he's well-respected. My He's pretty much the same position that Joe Barry was in when we hired him without the defensive coordinator jobs. I think if I'm going to elevate someone to D coordinator, I know there's a lot more to it than this, but if I'm going to give someone that elevation, I want to see someone who has turned players into successful individuals in the time that they've been in green Bay, Jerry Montgomery. I think that's a pretty large discussion as to whether he's fully done that or not. Like the D line has always been rather subpar. I mean, you could make the argument of Kenny Clark, and even then, I wonder if he was there first. Like, I know they were pretty close to each other. Um, but beyond that, like, you've got your first-round pick, Devontae Wyatt, who is progressing, but I don't think yeah. anyone's going to say that he's a bona fide star yet. You had free agent additions in, like, Jerron Reed last year, who was capable-ish. 
So, I mean, like it's, I haven't seen that like Jerry Montgomery while being a respected coach and he probably is a wonderful human. I haven't seen anything to be like, oh yeah, he always turns his dudes into stars. His unit outperforms expectations. I want him in the role. So you could be. I'm going to stick up for him for a sec. TJ Slane's made some major strides the last couple of years. Yeah. He's a damn good run stopper now. Um, he's one of the few guys that plays with an attitude. And Carl Brooks yeah. uh, has been pretty damn good, in my opinion, so far this year. I, I'll i give you Slayton for sure. And I mean, Brooks too, but like it. I know it's early on Brooks, but Slayton's yeah. definitely made some major stuff. What I'll say is if, if Jerry Montgomery is a name we want to put a pin in, I would say weeks five through 18, he could potentially be auditioning for it if he wants to think of it that sure. way. Sure. Um, but yeah, I agree. It's going to be something if they're going to make that change, it's going to be in the off season because a mid season change like that. I don't think the defense gets better by removing the coordinator. Yeah. I, I just don't like whatever you want to say about Joe Barry. I mean, you look at the, the season so far and I've been saying this, that I'm looking at this season as a new season for Joe Barry because he moved from the sideline to the booth. So he's getting an entirely new perspective. So I'm kind of taking it as we're getting a new version of Joe Barry because he's he's coaching from a different perspective. And if you look at the four games we've played here, we have two good defensive games and two bad defensive games. Yeah. So in my opinion, as far as Joe Barry is concerned, we need a larger sample size before we can really say that he is the problem and it's not missed tackles, injuries, bad scheme, whatever you may, whatever it may be. It could be. We could get to the end of the season and Atlanta and Detroit could have two of the best offenses in the NFL. And we could say it was their offenses just being that good. Like we don't know, in my opinion, because the sample size is so small at only four games. The only thing that I would say is it's, it's, and I've been a Joe Barry defender, but it is very frustrating when Matt LaFleur gets up there for a press conference and repeatedly has to go, well, we got to do something with our run defense. I know we want to keep the shell on, but what we're doing is not working. And if you look at over the last now multiple years, the amount of times that Matt LaFleur has said that, and then very little actually changes. Yeah, and, you or, maybe it, or maybe it changes for like a week. Yeah, yeah. his extended quote on that today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're going to have to do something different. It's insane to do the same thing over and over again and expect different results. You fucking think? <laughs> Well, and he's the thing is, like, he said that repeatedly. Like, that, I know that's the thing that's really concerning about the Joe Barry situation right now. And, like, I understand it's, it's, it, people want to give him way more fault than I think he deserves. But the problem is, there is no denying, even if you're Joe Barry's biggest fan, that there are consistent cracks. Like, the cracks are always the same thing. And that's not getting plugged. And that is what is very troubling and is realistically holding the Packers back from being a better defense. You, you want to hear a gross stat? I found this at halftime, by the way. This is this is at halftime. Yards per play. Lions, 8.2. Packers, 0.3. <clears throat> that is disgusting. That is what we were getting with, from Matt LaFleur and Joe Barry last night. That's what we watched for 45 minutes of our lives. <laughs> 45 um, minutes rocking. Of, of defensive coordinator, Don asked thoughts on Jim Leonard for defensive coordinator. Honestly, based on what he's done so far, I don't know. I don't know that he's really interested in the NFL. It feels like. 
don't think I, he likes the state of Wisconsin right now. Well, I, I think, yeah. I mean, he had all of his hopes pinned on getting the Wisconsin job. Yeah. And then that didn't work out. And he, he was like the Wisconsin way. Right. I mean, like, I think that's why he turned down the floor. Yeah. Um, and now is it, it I, I don't want to overstate this or over, you know, add drama to it, but would the floor go back to a guy that already turned him down once? Why not? I don't see why not. Mm-hmm. You know, the thing about Jim Leonard that I would actually love, and it's because he played for a guy in uh, Rex Ryan. And a guy like Jim Leonard, not overly athletic, not super big. We all know the story, right? But he he has tremendous brain. So I think he would absolutely be a freaking awesome DC for the Packers. And at the NFL level, he just understands football. He loves football. Yeah. But if you're LaFleur and you have – you and like say at the end of this year, the run defense stays the same, blah, 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 right? Or fast forwarding, you have to reach out to Jim Leonard. Yeah. Like, and like Jim you, you, not- you can't like skip over that because he turned you down once you have to reach out to yeah. Taylor. I, you gotta reach out. I mean, call you got to reach out to a lot more than that. Right. <laughs> like, but, I would, yeah. I under, like I, the only thing that like I'm thinking is this is, these <laughs> Great, are very no, much. Not watch our show. Cause you said that Jake. <laughs> no, no, no. Greg stay. It got better. <laughs> the, 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 I mean, these are all very, very prideful men and not that it's a wounded ego thing, but there is probably a certain element of, Hey, if I offer you this job again, how do I trust that you're going to be with me for the long haul when you turn to be down once and you very well might have your eyes elsewhere? That that does have to be a natural part of the hiring conversation that I'm sure LeFleur will be asking himself. Yeah. Uh, So, yeah, I I don't doubt that a call would be made, but there are considerations there since he did turn it down once. Yeah, that's fair. So uh, this is an off-topic question, and then we'll get back to the we'll get back to the defense. But Greg asked, uh, "Are people in Wisconsin aware of the rabid fan base in the Upper Peninsula?" I'll be honest, as far as Wisconsin as a, as a whole goes, I would say no. I would expect there to be a good amount of Packers fans, but I don't know about Badgers or Bucks or Brewers fans because that's a super long drive. I guess I would kind of assume <laughs> that there may be so, so they they love all Wisconsin sports. Aware of the rabbit. I'm, I'm assuming Packers, if he's commenting right? from Greg's channel, he's talking about the Packers. Yeah, that's got to be Packers. I'm thinking, and the UP. Yeah. So for I, I do want to say to Greg, uh, tremendously thankful for the super chat. Thank you. Really, really appreciate that. Um, I would say like I've heard of the UP being like diehard Packers, but I can't say I'm I'm super aware of it. Michigan uh, should just fuck off and give us the UP. Like, what it's connected to our state. Dude. Yeah, it's not even like, connected you're, to the you're other half of the air. Decided that anyways. Yeah, Greg, how do you feel about that? You just want to be a part of Wisconsin now? <laughs> you know what? Yeah. I'll go. I'll concede it because the Lions won last night. I'll go as far as every year when the Packers and Lions play, whoever scores more points gets the UP for the next year. <laughs> That's fair. Make it like Paul Bunyan's axe. Exactly. Right. Make it like a ball game. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> No, but thank you, Greg. Really, really appreciate it. Thank you. Uh, Greg said just Packers. Okay. So it, it doesn't make sense to me because of the proximity. Yeah. Bucks go Bucks. Uh, okay. So, John, back to the defense. We kind of talked about some of these guys a little bit already, but is there any other thoughts that you have on the D-line? 
there is one interesting, uh, well, really, I'd go just two quick personnel notes. Um, one, their usage of Kenny Clark. Kenny Clark was silent last night, yeah. um, which was rather surprising, especially considering that the Detroit Lions were utilizing their backup right guard. Um, and nonetheless, Kenny Clark was unable to do much of anything against the Lions front. Uh, at least according to PFF, he had one tackle and zero pressures all game long and all 50 snaps that he played. Um, but it wasn't for a lack of trying to move him around and find something. I thought his snap count was really interesting. He played seven snaps in the A gap, 26 in the B gap, nine on top of the tackle, and eight snaps outside. Really, yeah. really interesting usage spread. More diversified than normal for Clark. I mean, he's always kind of all over, but yeah. this is a more even spread than we generally see for Clark. So they were making a concerted effort to, to find him a spot to wreak havoc. It just didn't work at all. Um, hmm. And then the other thing that I would say, uh, they did make an interesting personnel switch in terms of snap counts. Kenny Clark was at 50, TJ Slayton 49, Devontae Wyatt 44 snaps, but oh. then Carl Brooks 31 Ooh. and Wooden 19. So he, the sixth round pick outsnapped the fourth round pick by 12 snaps. And I got to believe a large part of that is because Wooden is still gaining weight, still uh, growing into his body frame uh, to be an actual run stopper. Whereas Brooks at 300 pounds is already there. And against Detroit, it makes all the sense in the world to play Brooks more. It's just, it's nice that they actually did it. Um. So Tyler, before I get to your question, I want to say, People are super mad about, oh, the run defense has been a problem for so, so long. Look what the Packers did in the draft this year. Their first-round pick was a outside linebacker, defensive end, hybrid. They drafted Carl Brooks, who's a defensive lineman. They drafted Colby Wooden, who's a defensive lineman. They picked up an undrafted free agent, Bretton Cox. They're addressing it. They yeah. added basically four guys to this and the two guys that they added last year to this front. So they're addressing it. It's just going to take some patience. Like we, like I've talked about it a whole bunch of times. I actually really am a huge Colby Wooden fan because his play diagnosis is there. So, John, I think to your point, I agree with you. It's just the physical part of it because, in my opinion, his brain is already there. Oh, and, and there's no doubt. Like, he's a disruptor. It's just that's better used right now in terms of pass rush than run stop because – frankly, to be an effective run stopper, he's just got to add some bulk yet. I think like last time I checked his weight, he was still at like 270 ish pounds. Whereas Brooks is at 300 and to, to line wooden up directly against a guard or in one of those internal gaps at only 270. That's a tough ask yeah. for a fourth round pick. He's a, he's and a college size. Okay. Yeah. And, and we've seen in previous weeks as they've lined that up, that it just hasn't gone that great wouldn't has gotten bullied before yeah so uh, it's just a natural consequence of him being a rookie and still growing into form while brooks is already kind of there in terms of size wouldn't has yeah. a great swim move though i'm just yeah, gonna point that out he has a great swim move and his spin when he pulls it out is crazy oh, man yeah that's yeah, beautiful tyler asked do you guys watch the qb school with jt o'sullivan yes we are big fans he does fantastic work uh, if you're looking at judging quarterback play. Uh, I haven't watched uh, last night's uh, about Jordan Love yet. Haven't had the chance. I work a full-time job if I did this. Full-time like John, money pockets over there. 
I would. I would have had watched it already. I just haven't had a chance to yet. Um, but yes, Matt Lafleur did also talk about that as well about him just holding the ball a little too long and just needing to take take what the defense is giving you is what I was going to talk about when we got the Jordan Love, which we're going to do after the defense. Um, and then Chris said, I told John last week I committed to Wisconsin football and soccer. I do like soccer. Uh, I, I'm not a fan of soccer, but at least you called it soccer and not football. So you uh, got that quote for me. <laughs> um, he said he was a Buckeye fan. Thank you, Wisconsin, for knocking off UNC basketball a few years ago, Duke fans. Chris, I just want to say I'm glad you're completing the conversion. Chris came to me a couple days ago and <laughs> said, I root for both Wisconsin and OSU. What do I do? Oh. I said, like, you, you can't coexist like that. You just can't do it. You got to pick and then commit. And it's he's on the path. So. Or just go to games wearing plain red T-shirts, I guess. <laughs> yeah, nobody's really going to question you at those games. Um, you, you just be the guy that just says yes for every play. Yes! Yes! <laughs> yeah. Yes! Just cheering for everybody. Second for loss. Yes! Go sports! <laughs> yeah. It, on the back of the red shirt, it says positive sports fan. That's it. Yeah. Ty, <laughs> I do want to just mention one thing back to Ty's point about JT O'Sullivan. Uh no, even I didn't uh, get to catch JT O'Sullivan's breakdown yet. So sorry, guys. Um, oh, slacker. Huh? <laughs> yeah. Um, but I will say, like, he's done so well through three weeks of hitting the checkdowns. And I would agree last night was out of the norm that he yep. was delayed on so many of them. I don't know. Uh, and maybe JT O'Sullivan offered up some rationale to this. Maybe it got to the point where he was starting to see ghosts. Um, Because, you know, when quarterbacks get rattled, that's very much a thing. Um, It could have also been a little bit of we're like the old kind of Aaron Rodgers mentality of we're down 17 three. I'm going to try to get 14 on one throw and don't take the check down, get it down the field. Like maybe that was one thing he did learn from Aaron. It's not something I was specifically looking for in a rewatch and I haven't seen Sullivan yet. So uh, Ty, I know at least like you'll watch uh, Monday's video. I'll, I'll try to talk about that on Monday. Yeah, and if you're interested in checking us out, we'll be doing a preview of the Packers-Raiders game next Friday night, so we can look into that as well. But uh, as far as Jake and I are concerned, we are also big fans of of JT O'Sullivan, hopefully guy. future guest of the Wisco Fanatics show. Yeah, dude, and I said it before, I'll say it again. Um, I learned a lot of football verbiage from that guy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I feel like I come out like way smarter than when I went in watching his shows. <laughs> yeah. And uh, if you have some time to spare and you want to laugh a lot, go watch week three's Justin Fields video. If you th- if anybody thinks Jordan Love isn't isn't the guy, his videos are usually about 30, 40 minutes. Justin Fields' week three video was an hour and a half long. Yeah. That's not a good thing. Mm-mm. No. Mm-mm. Um, I watched also, the first 20 minutes and I was just giggling the whole time. Yeah. So, David, I see your comment, by the way. Thank you, David. Really appreciate that. Thank you. Um, Jake, what about I the all minutes of that? I watched all, all 90 minutes of that. Amazing You're night. glutton for punishment, man. <laughs> I like oh, that fantastic. guy. I like that guy. <laughs> uh, so, pass rush. I'm going to keep this real short and sweet. They had two sacks for 20 yards, Carl Brooks and Devontae Wyatt. We had six quarterback hits, one from each of these players. Gary, Brooks, Wooden, Wyatt, Smith, and McDuffie. McNuffie with the best one, in my opinion. And I'm just going to say, pass rush is fine. We got to stop the damn run. We got to win early downs. Yeah, that's that was my thing against the Falcons, too. 
Um, Bill said opportunities abound from this game for sure. The Lions played extremely well for so, so good props to them. And that's yeah. the thing. Like we, we like we have some Lions fans like Greg, who was in the comments earlier. Greg is a diehard Lions fan. He said actually to us today that we are one of his favorite podcasts. Yeah. So that's, you know, we have no problem giving credit where it's due. Like we've talked about this. Jake and I went through this with the Badgers and Illinois last year. Like how long did you expect them to be okay with sucking? <laughs> it's been 30 years since the Lions have won the division. 30. Like it wasn't going to be that it never, ever happened. Not to mention all four of us that do our show on our regular Friday nights, we all picked the Lions to win the division. So yeah. we have no delusions that this is not the Lions that went 0-16. I, I would just say, too, I mean, like the Lions, part of their roster construction is to beat the Packers. Like, not That's specifically true. the Packers, <laughs> but just in what they do well, matches up incredibly well against the Packers. And that's a natural consequence of different roster constructions. Yeah. Greg said we're trying to get better. The thing is, is that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have a more recent NFC North championship than the Lions do. Like, it's it's not something where the Lions were just never going to get better. Like, they're going to eventually, maybe it'll be just a flash in the pan. Maybe this will be their one good year. They'll win it, and then it'll be another 30 years. Maybe. We'll have to wait and see. But to expect them to continue to be okay with having losing seasons. It's, it's just not realistic, especially like I said before, the NFL is the league with the most parity in American professional sports. Yep. Okay. The only thing, so, the only thing I'd say, Tyler, real quick is like the lions, they totally are certainly, <laughs> they are certainly due. like, there's no doubt about it. It's the, it's time that they have a good stretch yeah. from the Packers side of things. This is, they're not the chiefs. They're not the Eagles. They are not yet a full blown juggernaut. Right. And they do have some deficiencies that the Packers could exploit. Just last night, they didn't at all. Yeah. And that's the thing is like, we, we as the Packers now, we know we're going through a rebuild, even if it's a soft rebuild or a mini rebuild. Like, we we have to go through some adversity. Like, I, I get yeah. that it's been a long time since we've had to like take lumps, but for for you to grow and be able to appreciate the good days, you you have to take some lumps at some point. It's, yeah. There's no shortcut to being great. There really isn't. No. And the thing about being great is you get what you you get out what you put in. So the Packers are gonna have to do a lot of work. Obviously, yeah. they're young, right? I'm gonna answer Tyler's comment real quick. No, I do not have a soft spot for them. <laughs> After seeing how some of those Lions fans talk, it makes me want to kick my little brother in the face. Whoa! <laughs> I know you're talking about them, but like damn. You see how disrespectful some of those people are, man? Well, yeah, and that's why I'm we don't like, on bruh, the same thing. Bruh, y'all need to chill. This is, this is the first time you're 3-1 and one in how damn long. I know. You guys, you guys have not won a playoff game since I didn't exist. I'm 31 years old. Yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's sad. That's an act right. like you've been there situation, and it's clear that the Lions haven't. And, and Greg, Greg is one of the few Lions fans I absolutely don't have a problem with. Greg's cool shit, man. Um, Greg can give it, Greg can take it, but man, oh man, some of these people talking out of pocket. Listen, <laughs> what I'll say about Detroit is it's week four. Detroit, you have an opportunity to not be Minnesota and Chicago fans. You are in the same division. You know what their rival fans look like. You have an opportunity to be better. They're be kind better. Of be better than a Minnesota or a Chicago fan. 
I will say, like even last year and this year, when I do like a show that's like a matchup and I've got both teams in the title or something like that, I get more Lions fans randomly popping up on my shows than any other team in the division. And it's not often that they're very kind. So I'm just no, going to throw horrible. that out there. Like they're, they're, they're quickly getting there. But I don't know. Ty, like I'm with you, Ty. Like I, I, I've looked at them for years. Okay. My personal take is like the Bears, I'll at least respect the Bears because there's history there. Okay. The Lions, I respect them because they're cute. And that's like they've been the lovable losers for 30 years. They're experiencing a little bit of success, but they're still adorable. Okay. I, that's just I what was, it is. And I then the okay Vikings are the most artificial, plastic, manufactured franchise in the history of sports that doesn't deserve anything good. So, like, the thing is, like, you've got the Bears who you can respect, the Lions who you can appreciate with love, and then the Vikings. So, I, I'm I'm with you, Ty. I, I at least respect, hold a little soft spot for the lovable losers. I, I, I'm okay with the, with the team, right? I same thing, same thing with like this goes for any sport. I don't hate the team. I hate fans of the team. <laughs> Cowboys <laughs> fans are horrible. Bears fans are horrible. I don't I hate Justin Fields, but you yeah. know what? When you're trying to shove it in my face all the time that you think he's the savior and he's going to win MVP and all this other stuff, and then he sucks, that's what I'm going to point out to you that you're an idiot for saying that. That's fair. And that that's fair. Totally and I don't feel it. bad for people watching sports. It's a form of entertainment. Do people feel bad for Bucks fans when we won 15 games? You shouldn't have. We got rewarded Giannis at a Kumbo. And eight years after that, we won a damn title. We'll be okay. Sports yeah. sports is a form of entertainment. I don't ever and feel bad for anybody. I do respect people that say loyal though. There's cycles to it all, too. Of course. Um, but what I'll say is <sighs> David it. said, I saw Barry Sanders versus the Packers at County Stadium. He was unbelievable. <laughs> it's Jake and I have been pretty vocal about actually really loving Justin Fields, the person. Yeah, he's awesome. Yeah, he, he's really cool. Um, Greg said, the Lions have been so bad for so long. I have no problems with them. Many of them are Lions fans, and I feel sorry for them. See? Yeah, and that's really just the thing. Yes. It's like, if you guys have success, great. You guys or have do. earned it by, by the team you have. But like I said, act like you've been there and you have opportunities to be better fans than those we've seen on there. Um, I love Cowboys fans because it makes more Stephen A. trolling. Yeah. I well, mean, Skip Bayless in shambles is always enjoyable, too. Who doesn't love Stephen A. in the Cowboy hat? And the, yeah. Yeah. And the cigar, bro. He goes crazy. That stupid laugh. So obnoxious. <laughs> uh, Bill said, it's funny how around the NFL, every team is trying to win games to get to the Super Bowl. They're all getting paid and they've all had a lot of high draft picks for a long time. Regardless of them being due, their coach has, ha- has some fire, and he's a hard guy. He's set expectations, and he's putting his team in place to win and be successful. However, that doesn't mean that it's okay that the Packers didn't win, and they came out and got down as much as half of they were. But this exposed early what our... To be continued. Yep. Um, <laughs> and, and that's the thing. Like You can you can be okay with how the the game ended up last night while still wanting them to be better. Um, Tyler said he didn't like hearing in week one that Love and Fields trained in the offseason together. Don't need that guy wearing out on our QB. <laughs> <laughs> it was That's really cool. Of him. Plays are. It was really cool of him to get uh for Fields to give his tickets up to Love's mom so she can have yeah. closer seats. 
That that's the kind of stuff that makes me like him as a person. I mean, like I played for the Bears at Ohio State. You if don't Justin play for Fields two worst got traded to the Jets, I'd cheer for him. I'll say yep. that. Yep. And I hope he does get traded to the Jets. That would be awesome. Because then I could be like, yeah, go Justin Fields. And then I hope he's good. So I can laugh at the Bears fans for more. <laughs> Phil said, sorry, guys, we'll keep it shorter. Yeah, StreamYard cut your comment off. It was too many words. Um <laughs> Chris said, I can still have the courage to say good game to the other team and have the heart to flip them off behind their back. <laughs> Chris, I'm almost with you, except oh, I Chris. flip them off to their face while I say good game. Good game. I'm hurting right, right now. <laughs> yeah. That's like Jake and I do that once in a while too. And we're, we're obviously fans of the hey. same team, but like Jake will pick, like when we do our Badger shows, we pick what we're going to talk about. Yeah. And I'll, you know, Jake will pick something I was going to pick and I'll be like, good pick. Dick. Yeah, you <laughs> bastard. Or like sometimes we'll when we're covering brewers, like we'll both have the same stat and Tyler bring it up and be like, Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I was so ready for that one. Yeah. Okay, so Bryant's notes on the red zone. He said uh red zone defense, red zone defense was fine, 50%, but when they have six trips to the red zone, that's rough. Uh Detroit should have been two for six, but the Quay penalty let one punch one in. So yeah, I mean decent. And could have been better, I guess is what I'll say with that. Um, Greg said, I love that Stroud is showing great progress and the Bears are stuck with fields. I'll say this, Greg, you'll probably agree with me. I don't know how much uh, I don't know how much college football you watch, but I sincerely hope the Bears don't end up with Michael Penix because I think he's a stud. Oh, Michael Penix is a monster, dude. He's, um, a, he's a UCLA fan, so he watches a lot of Pac-12. Gotcha. Yeah, Michael Penix is a boss. Um, yeah. Greg asked if you guys are ending soon. We got something to watch on Netflix, but this is more interesting. Uh, Jake has our last yep, defensive yep. topic, and then we're going to talk a little bit about Jordan Love, and then we'll wrap her up. I'll get right to the point, too, because this is also gross. It made me want to puke. So I have third and fourth down defense. Overall, uh, the Lions went 7 of 17 on third down. Um, I didn't add fourth downs in there. They converted two fourth downs. But just on third down, they were 17. <clears throat> excuse me. Third and five and shorter. We allowed them to go six for seven. Third and six and longer, one for ten. So fucking a, you kind of uh, you you understand it. So in those third and fives, five of those third and fives were third and three or shorter. One third and three, two third and twos, two third and ones. Please win on early downs. Unleash the pass rush. It's not rocket science. Yep. Easy money. Yep. And in those third and six and longers, that's when we got our turnover, our interception, and one of our sacks. Yeah. Not yeah. crazy stuff. All right. So we we mentioned that there was maybe the possibility of Jordan Love kind of getting rattled by the amount of pressure that he was under. I mean, we're talking almost every other play. But um, Matt LaFleur did give him some credit that um, – Gave him some credit for his calm and poise, even while being pressured and sacked in the first half. There were several plays where Jordan Love basically is staring down the barrel of the gun, knowing he's about to get hit and still delivered some throws. Yeah. Um, so I do give credit to that. Greg said 45-3 would have meant we gave up. 34-20 to means we have heart. And that's what, like I mentioned this right at the beginning of the show, is at halftime we were down 24-3. to I wasn't, like it's not that I had given up. But being down 21 points, I realize, is a very low percentage of comeback on that. So my thing at halftime was win the second half. And the Packers did that. Um, and Jordan Love was a massive part of it. What I will say is 
it's hard to, in my opinion, gauge his mechanics when he was under the amount of pressure that he was under. It's it's mm-hmm. it was hard for me to try to get a beat on um, what his footwork looked like, his using his eyes, um, just mechanics in general, and that'll maybe that'll be something I look for when I rewatch the game. But it's it's hard to see uh, when he's under that much pressure. What I will say is, and this goes kind of in with Matt Lafleur a little bit. I think that the his first rushing touchdown, I think that was a designed quarterback draw because he didn't actually really like he took the took the snap. He like looked up, kind of just went like this and took off. Like I I don't even think that was like a a Jordan Love decision. I think that was a designed play call, and it was beautiful because Jordan Love walked in with nobody within four yards of him. Yep. Yep. Um, Greg mentioned that Aaron had Jennings and driver in his first year. Yes. He had much 100%. more wide receiver experience on his team. Yes. Um, as far as the interceptions, I put the first one 50, 50, 50% on love 50% on the amount of pass rush pressure that the lions were getting. I believe that first play was basically them trying to run just a quick rhythm where it was going to be a three-step drop. Love was going to rip it, and they were looking to get him an easy completion to try to get him some, um, trying to get him some rhythm. And they caught on to it. The pass got tipped and picked. Yep. The second one, I am not mad at Jordan Love's second interception at all. This is one of those things where it's like we're going to have some growing pains because this is a young team. But the, what I'm excited for is what that play says about the potential of the future of this offense. Because as Jordan Love and Romeo Dobbs play together more, that chemistry and that where they can have, you know, like one brain, a shared brain, when they're in plays like that, Matt LaFleur did say that uh, Romeo Dobbs can't go off schedule while Jordan Love is still in the pocket. So I do agree with that part of it. But as Jordan Love and Romeo Dobbs start having, you know, this chemistry, that's going to be a pump fake. And Romeo Dobbs is going to know what Jordan Love is thinking, and Jordan Love is going to know what Romeo Dobbs is thinking, and then Romeo Dobbs is going to go into the end zone, and Jordan Love is going to hit him for a touchdown. Mm-hmm. That play, maybe as soon as maybe as soon as the Vegas game, as they get on the same page on these things, that's going to result in a lot of touchdowns from Jordan Love and Romeo Dobbs. And, and I'm that's not just, mad at that pick at all. That's merely just playing together more, mm-hmm. playing together like period, playing more. Yeah. I mean, that was, and even Lafleur, like you mentioned, said that that just happens sometimes. You got yeah. one guy who's off schedule, one guy who's trying to maintain schedule. Just straight up unfortunate is what that wound up being. And I don't think there's blame at all to assign on that one. No. It kind of just happened. Yeah. And and like I said, it for me, I see what the potential of a play like that can hold when those guys are on the same page. Yeah. Like that, that that's a touchdown. In the future, yeah. that's a touchdown. Yeah, he's going to be wide open, and yes. deep in the other team, like in this case, the Lions fans are going to be like, "How the hell did he get so wide open?" It's just going to be like when we had Devontae and Rogers, right? Those guys always knew what was going to happen. That's what's going to happen. With I would the, go as a little bit farther back, and I would say Rogers and Jordy, or or even Rogers and Cobb. Cobb made sure. most of his career by being off schedule with Rogers. Shit, he was yeah. he was finding really the spot in the zone. I mean, like James Jones, <laughs> yeah, got really good like, at it. That was that era, and Love is along with Romeo and Watson when he's back. They're all growing right. into that next era of knowing when to stay on schedule, or even for the receivers when to read Jordan and know what he's going to do based upon yeah. what he's seeing. Because right now they're all just kind of guessing around each other. 
Right. They've, I mean, they've all played four games together. Yeah. yeah. Um, Christian Watson hasn't even played four games with Jordan Love yet. Romeo yeah. Dobbs has played what four and a half games with Jordan Love. And Luke Musgrave yeah. has played three and a half games with Jordan Love. Yeah. Jaden Reed has played four games with Jordan Love. Like this is as these guys start to play together. And this is the thing. This is what this potential of basically taking your lumps as rookies and second year players does is next year after they've all had a year of playing together and a second training camp together, we could be in a position 365 days from now where it's like Jordan Love threw six touchdowns to six different players because they couldn't decide who to guard because Jordan Love has great chemistry with every single pass catcher on his team because they've all grown together over the last year. That's what the potential of this offense holds. But right now it is just potential. They need to just get the experience, the reps, the playing time, the chemistry. Yep. All right. Uh, John, do you have anything you want to add on Jordan Love? No, I, I really think we we pretty much said it all. Jake, anything you want to add on Jordan Love? He's fine. He's fine. He'll, he'll be okay. <laughs> yeah. Literally, that's all that needs to be said because you just see so many people – and this is not shocking. The least shocking news you're going to hear the day is that there's idiots on Facebook, right? Oh, for um, sake. <laughs> I'm glad that we have all high IQ people in the comments section right now because I don't yeah. know if I'd be able to hold back the mood I'm in if I saw somebody being an idiot right now. But, Seeing, yeah, Jake and I are going to maybe look at doing some bad take Mondays and kind of – Yeah, oh, you know, just wait. I got, with, I got with some factual, good ones. With factual, you know, basis and statistics, but um, – you know, it's it. It confirms that there's work to do for us. I'll say that um, that we, you Never know, we are educating in the uh, um, in the in the fan base that we can do. And unfortunately, it's not limited to Packers fans, as Jake and I know. Hey, um, I, I saw one guy legit calling for Sean Clifford to start next week, bro. Fuck, bro. Oh, and bro. he was defending it to death. Like this wasn't just trolling. The man was putting out stats to support it and everything. So just, just oh my god, rest you easy tonight seen, knowing that those people exist. You ever just like 100% confirmed that somebody is like literally like huffing paint? Like that, <laughs> that is like the definition right there. I'm sorry. That's rich from coming from a guy who paints fire trucks. Yeah, with full face mask <laughs> on because I still have a brain. <laughs> Um, real quick before we sign off, Tyler asked, what is your opinion on Watson so far in his career? Someone say on Twitter that he's the next Will Fuller super fast, but can't stay healthy and struggles with drops. We knew he struggled with drops when he came in because he was playing in a run heavy college, but his athleticism offered major upside. As mm -hmm. far as not being able to stay healthy, he's had this hamstring injury, but people, people got to remember that wasn't his only issue last year. He dealt with a concussion for three weeks and then got the wind knocked out of him out of the first play in Buffalo. And because they were worried about the concussion, they kept him out of the rest of that game. So he missed essentially three of the games last year with a concussion injury and not it's not been the same hamstring injury hit all of the games that he's missed. And I will not allow anybody to make any fun about concussion injuries with recent history of players absolutely going berserk. We, we were all alive for Junior Seau just straight up shooting himself in the head. We watched Antonio Steve Brown McCarrie have a mental health thing. breakdown. Like, there's been a ton of players. Like, Everson Griffin was going nuts. Chandler Jones, I think, is actually having some effects there's of CTE. Some, there's something really going like, on. There. I will oh, not. not – yeah, it's bad. I will not allow anybody to say anything bad about concussions because we do not know the effects that these players go through with the brain injuries. They're just starting to understand it. 
So let's right. we're not going to touch that one. The the hamstring thing though, like we we could say stuff about that. The Packers have the worst hamstrings in the NFL. Going but back it, to Clay Matthews, <laughs> it's not uncommon either, even historically in the larger context of the NFL, that these guys who are so big, so musculature, yeah. and have the speed to match have a lot of soft tissue injuries. Like this is not new. And Christian Watson may fall into that category, in which case, like maybe he's going to have something nagging here or there every year. But the return is for 12 games, for 13 games, you have this baby Calvin Johnson who's running around instead. And it's a trade-off like most teams are going to take. In terms of the exact like Will Fuller comp, Christian Watson is already superior in two huge ways. Like, yes, Watson overall struggles with drops, but he seems to do better in contested catches than he even does when he's wide open. It's really weird. Yeah. So, so like I'm that James Jones syndrome. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's exactly it. I haven't thought of that. It's a perfect comp. Like bro, I used to hate that. He catches better when he's covered than when he's wide open. Plus the other thing is he is a far better run blocker than Will Fuller ever was. That's a hundred percent already. Well, I think like you already have a guy who's played in what? Like, 12 and a half career games at this point for Chris Johnson, who's already a more complete receiver than Will Fuller and certainly has a higher ceiling than Fuller ever presented. Cause Watson could do that other stuff. Maybe he's going to have soft tissue stuff. Like maybe it's going to be frustrating every single freaking year. Cause that's his body makeup. Yeah. But the I mean, reward about is a the upside is lanky dude who's got four, three speed. I mean, that's tough. That's to a lot on the body. Like there's been a yeah. lot of dudes who have that makeup who then struggle with pulled things or just tweaked things like all the fucking time. Yeah. Maybe it's what we're going to do with, with Watson, gotta, but the upside is tires on the sports car often. Yeah. Right. But you get 12 games a year of, of that. And they're, yeah. they're going to take that trade every year. I'll take, I mean, I'll, I'll take, take 12 a, games I'll or six, three games stretch of seven touchdowns. Yeah. yeah. I'll take that. All so day. I, yeah, uh, we may just have Greg's, to learn to live with it. Yeah. Greg said, you got, thank you guys for that concussion stance. As you watch Jake and I, you'll learn that we have a zero tolerance for talking shit about injuries. Zero yeah. tolerance. Whether it's for our teams or away teams. teams. Love it. We no. will not. No. No. If you're, you're going to cheer for somebody on the other team to get injured or when they do get injured, there's a, there's a zero tolerance for that. Love Outside that of the fact that that's just a person that you're talking about being injured. Um, yeah. And it's the same thing with David Bakhtiari. We defended him all last season and we will continue to do so because he's a person. But outside of that, especially when it comes to opponents, we want them to be at their best because we want them to beat them at their best. We don't want the injury excuse of, oh, you only beat us because this player was injured. I don't want that. I want to beat the teams when they are at their best. So just from a competitive standpoint, on top of it being, you know, human beings that there's, yeah, we have a, at Wisco Fanatics, we have a zero tolerance for talking shit about injuries. Yeah, we don't do that shit. Yeah. Um, Tyler said you guys are awesome. Thanks for a great show. We appreciate it. Uh, thank I'm you for the super chat, Tyler. Are, thank you. Yeah, and John, we appreciate you bringing some of your uh, followers over from uh, from Lombardi Time Brews, and hopefully we can get you some over from us from Wisco Fanatics, and we can kind of cross stream. But um, yeah. I'm sure there will be more collaborations with us, and maybe we can have you stand in for Simon on another show in the future. And Definitely. other than that, I will see you guys later. And Jake and I will be back early next week. Yes. Yep. Thank you, you everybody. Later. Take care. Have a good good night. night. Thanks, guys. Having a versatile, high-quality piece of clothing feels great, but having a whole closet full of favorites feels even better. 
American Giant puts the quality, durability, and comfort they're famous for into everything you need for your spring days. From premium t-shirts and jeans to lightweight French terry joggers and their legendary best hoodie ever. Get 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's American-Giant.com, code STAPLE20. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.